Hello, language and culture lovers. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Gunnar Ur Ingolson, a practicing psychologist in Iceland. And we spoke about the state of mental health care in the country. Gunnar has a PhD in counseling psychology, and he has worked extensively with adult clients in the U.S. and Iceland that suffer from depression, anxiety, drug problems, computer and internet addiction, as well as those that find it difficult to adapt to the variability of life. His work with clients centers around solution-focused therapy. Even though Iceland has consistently ranked as one of the happiest countries in the world, according to the World Happiness Report, the country ranks as the fourth most depressed nation in Europe. I find that quite shocking, and I wanted to get a better insight into why there is such a high rate of depression in Iceland, and what steps the country can take to improve the situation. I enjoyed this interview not only because it helped me to better understand mental health in Iceland, but also because Gunnar is my husband. It was interesting to hear his perspective on a topic that I know is very close to his heart. I have added the contact details for his private practice in the show notes for anyone that is interested in reaching out to him. I hope that you enjoy listening to this interview just as much as I enjoy conducting it. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss new episodes that I upload every week. If you are listening to this podcast on a platform that allows reviews, please leave a review. Thank you for sitting down to chat with me today about mental health in Iceland. This is a topic that gets discussed definitely more in this country than outside of the country. So I thought it would be fascinating to get your take as a psychologist on the state of mental health in Iceland and any other thoughts you have that you think might be useful for people who are interested in knowing what mental health care is like, or even just how people who have mental health issues are treated within Iceland. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'll try to separate my personal views as well as like what I've learned from some of the research I've read. Absolutely. So just to kind of jump into it, I'm curious about what sparked your interest in psychology and providing counseling to people. Well, my whole life I've been interested in people. Um, I've always been curious, been a people watcher, people mm. talker, and uh, then through life you encounter people in your life, both in your family and outside of it, that you wonder what they're struggling with, and you don't know, and you don't really understand it that well, and then you also wonder about yourself, you know, how, you, yeah. how you process, how you work, and that I think is what most people find fascinating to some degree mm-hmm. about psychology and that's where my interest started and definitely the personal part also in my life you know yeah so it wasn't just like in university it was just going throughout life kind of noticing things about individuals and yourself and mm. then pursuing it further yes and also this might sound like a cliche but the one thing I knew I wanted to do was find a way to help others mm, awesome um, and I always had that. That was the only thing that was clear with what profession I wanted to do. It needed to somehow be positively impactful on the environment, or the culture, or the, you know, or where I lived, or where yeah. I'd be. 
And so I didn't know how to express that or what to follow in the beginning, but it ended up being psychology. Okay, very cool. Why is it important for you to provide counseling specifically in Iceland? Having been lucky enough to be born here, uh, I felt like I, I was that privileged and I also owed to some degree something, some sort of a return to society, like uh, indebted or, you know, I feel grateful for all the opportunities I've had. And so I wanted to make a positive change to where I was born and where my roots are from. And that's the largest reason why. Okay. And then, of course, it's just, you know, living here because of my family. Is yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you get to merge a lot of things that yeah. are, make sense for you. Absolutely. Great. Is it a part of Icelandic culture to openly share how you're feeling? I wouldn't say it would be very common, though. No. Mm. In my personal experience, it hasn't been very common, and those that do tend to be rare even though they're often liked for those expressions, like being honest and, you know, direct and things like that. Um, Sometimes emotional expression, I think, is hard to understand or read. Mm. Um, And I think in our cultural repertoire or the way we behave, I think it has been that rare that we're still, like, trying to understand how to do it in a helpful manner. And also how to respond to it. I do believe in the last 10, 20 years, even there's been quite a bit of change in that. And I hope it will continue to improve. And, you know, the education system may even be picking up on that. So mm, okay. In so fostering to... an environment where this is okay. Right. Yeah. That is, you know, I hope so. Yeah. You know, like emotional expressions within the school system and, yeah. you know, purposefully sit down and talk about your feelings and stuff like that. I hope that we get raised that way too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard when it's passed down from generations. Absolutely. And of course, there's always, I think in many cultures this way, particularly with men, like there's this bravado or or machismo, you know, that comes along with not expressing. Women get associated with expressing more, but that can vary too. And I guess in Iceland, it probably has its degrees of which it varies. Right. And also within men and women, there are people that are differently emotional in both groups but traditionally we follow i think what is considered a western approach to that men tend to express less of those feelings yeah and also i think to some degree nordic countries get a reputation for not being always emotionally available for some reason maybe because it's cold and there's just like the idea that cold means literally cold how you express yourself too i don't know if that's true but you know there is sometimes these perceptions that are projected out whether or not it reflects the society which I always find fascinating, kind of like, you know, match up the two to see how things really are. I do think that um, there is some historical differences that are very likely. And I don't know, this is not as a psychologist, this is simply as an observation as a citizen. But, you know, in reading of history, there seems to be this expression of like, there was hard life. Mm. And therefore feelings you didn't really have time or space for them right it's like a luxury almost yes yeah and like um you know or saying that that that, that's you know Mm -hmm. is in some ways possibly related to that like 
you know, just you just have to believe the most positive things will happen. You have to keep on going even if you're close to death and your family is dying. Yeah. yeah. And that Taratas for people who are not initiated or un- understanding of that is basically it would all work out. Yeah. Right? yeah. It'll be all right. It's a very yeah, Icelandic <laughs> phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and a lot of people infective is in our my last interview with Mame, it was his favorite Icelandic uh, phrase okay. or word. So, it's, <laughs> so definitely, I think these things get passed down, even if the yeah. meaning of it might change. It might not always be emotionally associated, but it could just mean life in Iceland can vary because everything is, you know, there are a lot of different um, potentials. Like the weather, for instance, it's mm-hmm. you know, really intense. Just kind of going back into the, the questions, how are people with mental illness treated in Iceland by other members of society and medical doctors. And you could break that up if it, you know, if there's a drastic difference between the two. Well, historically speaking, it mental illness wasn't a thing we discussed not too long ago. If we think of in a current perspective, we're, there's a large awake, awakening right mm, now. Okay. There's a lot of... Uh, discussions about people's experiences with mental illness openly like people coming forth and opening up about their experience private individuals and the media you know being intrigued in those stories and publishing Mm -hmm. them like prominently and that i think is a giant step forward because human beings in general tend to be afraid of what they don't understand or don't know Mm -hmm. that is helping bridge that gap the word crazy versus relatable you know Mm. like crazy doesn't it's just scary right exactly and it's just negative but uh, if someone struggles with depression or they have burnout or they have you know all these different words that are now becoming part of the current cultural atmosphere then people can relate to some degree and therefore understand some of the struggles a little bit better and i hope that people will also be supported to get help with it more yeah that's great um that the vocabulary is expanding and trying to right. in, in a way to express and do you think that's because maybe people are traveling and maybe you know hearing about how other people are expressing themselves in other societies and kind of bringing it back do you think that has something to do with Abs- oh, oh, the awakening absolutely it's um we are very lucky here in iceland to have the ability to travel and many of us go travel and study abroad and pick up things and perspectives and come back yeah. and that is definitely part of why i think icelanders recently in recent years tend to uh, quickly grab something and just you know go run with it yes. <laughs> which in a way like when you were mentioning go to other places to study this applies to you you were in the u.s studying for quite many years like seven to eight years mm-hmm. and so you also come back with a different perspective on how the system is you know set up currently or, or treatment for that matter so i think that's very unique perspective from yourself, but then not from others, like you mentioned, who get a chance to travel abroad and come back to help. Absolutely. And I hope that um, we can find a way to express those unique perspectives in a helpful manner. Agreed. So medical doctors, I think, are very similar to people that aren't medical doctors in their view of the mentally ill, mm-hmm. meaning like um, generational differences potentially, uh, sometimes exposure differences, and also just simply what they're familiar with, what they've encountered and opened themselves to. There, There is some prejudice, and then there is also not prejudice and mm-hmm. support of all sorts of treatment and different sorts of it. So I don't, I think it's, you can 
take what you think of the general population mm -hmm. and it falls most of the time similarly to medical doctors. Um, I've looked at studies from other countries that have suggested that even within like the professions of like nursing for the mentally ill for example um, there were still the similar differences between mm -hmm. within that group so it's not just about exposure but it's about I guess how you feel about it and how you continue to open yourself to it yeah bias is something that plays a part in doctor's yes. treatment absolutely mental, yeah. mentally and, ill patient and most likely also even with therapists mm. so one therapist could be biased against or with or for or however you know in any way a mm -hmm. uh, certain group of people certain behaviors and have a harder time with others right. simply also personal differences as well as like what if you were exposed to one person that is diagnosed with a certain thing and that was a really rough experience right. you know that can carry on yeah absolutely I mean you're people too right and I think that's something people yes. forget is that a healthcare professional Mm -hmm. is trying their best, hopefully, for the most part. <laughs> At least that's the, you know, their perception. Um, but they come along with having the complexities of a, of a human being. Yes. And hopefully, like you said, they navigate it in such a way that if a person comes in there having a hard time with emotionally, they find someone else to work with. Yeah, absolutely. That would, best that case is, scenario. And, and included in the training. Yeah. But don't have any numbers on those things. You know, yeah. those are hard is really almost impossible to collect yeah. that data. The seasons in Iceland, uh, I've experienced this in, in the last couple of years, and of course, you know, trying to adjust to it, but they can be quite drastic, particularly with there being long dark nights in the winter and then complete opposite, long bright days in the summer. Do you notice that more people are seeking therapy during winter as opposed to summer? Uh, among therapists, there is the talk that uh, in the summer people tend to do less of seeking help and coming more rarely. Mm -hmm. uh, also, fall, winter, they tend to come more in. Okay. So whether it is due to the nature of light versus dark mm -hmm. or also due to the fact that we tend to have vacations mm. you know go outside traveling so forth and so on those things make it harder to set up session and come right. in for things and consecutively hold on and work on things so you get preoccupied with some fun activities it's very likely you're gonna do feel better too yeah so it's, i think it's tied together okay you know that's my impression yeah. Um, the numbers, uh, I don't have any clear numbers. I haven't seen any clear numbers. Yeah. It could be fictitious to a large degree, just yeah. like, you know, moon correlations and things like that right. are often felt more than they actually are. Yeah. It's just that in so many places they always talk about seasonal depression, Absolutely. for instance. So I was just curious if that is something that you've noticed. And, you know, but here being it, you know, everyone knows that the darkness is coming in some way, right? Yes. Like, it's just, and it could be just that, like, just the yeah. idea that you know that this time of the year means a specific thing. You might then associate depression more with it than you actually feeling any depression itself that, you know, almost like sets yourself up for it to some degree. Yeah. The perspective of something and expecting something can create it. Yeah. Uh, I have read... 
that Icelanders tend to have a lower seasonal affective disorder rate, which is the name of the diagnosis if you get mm. that, if you have this strong correlation between darkness and light yeah. and energy. Something, I think it was Northern Japanese and Icelanders and a few other groups tend to have lower percentages. Mm, interesting. It doesn't mean that it isn't here. Right. It's just a little bit lower percentages. There are plenty of people that do struggle with it. Right. That's fascinating. Okay. I read that Iceland's mental health care system is not adequately meeting the needs of the people here and that a large percentage of residents are on antidepressants. Can you share your thoughts on that? I definitely have some thoughts on it both. I mean, I have some personal thoughts and I'll start with what I know about uh, from my readings and the research I've like, um, followed on that. So we, I do believe we have the highest use uh, of antidepressants, uh, at least in Europe, if not the world, right now. And uh, the increase of antidepressant use has not correlated with a decrease, a noticeable large decrease in depression. Mm. Uh, epi epidemiological studies have continued to show similar rates. Um, that can be multiple answers for that, but it's still noteworthy. Yeah. Same Definitely. goes for um, like suicide. There hasn't been a noticeable, large noticeable decrease in suicide rates mm. recently. And yet the antidepressants being given out is not decreasing. No, that's increasing the rate of, like it seems to be increasing the rate of antidepressant mm, yeah. prescription. So what is not working there? You know, I, I can't claim that, but you can have theories about what is missing. Right. And it is a fairly obvious fact that Icelanders, uh, they have this healthcare system that pays for a whole lot of things, including antidepressant medication. Mm -hmm. But adults have a hard time finding um, therapy with mm, therapists okay. that they don't have to pay for on their own. So government assistance right. to help. Pay that for there it. are some programs, and some of them are really, really good, but there are very few programs within the mental health care system. Right. And the waiting list can be long, mm. and not everyone can get into through the requirements. Okay. So... There's a large group of people that may not have access to mental health care in any other way than potential medication. Right. And, and that can be prescribed through a general practitioner, just your, or does that do they have to go through a psychiatrist in order to get this medication? They can do uh, like antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Many of them, mm -hmm. the like more commonly used medications, they can be through a general practitioner. Okay. The ones that are more like they addictive or uh, dangerous substances are generally gone through psychiatrists or at least followed by a diagnosis or something from someone so that they're not making these decisions on their own if they aren't trained for it. Right. This is uh, would be better answered by a medical doctor. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> my impression is, and my from medical doctors in some of the research I've done, then the largest hindrance to... Uh, improvement in our mental health care system is cost. Mm, okay. Which um, is interesting because Iceland has a decent health care system in terms of cost if you need to go to the doctor. I mean, it's not completely free, 
but a lot of the taxes pay for the healthcare center, healthcare sure. system. So knowing that this part of your healthcare, your mental health, is mm-hmm. way more expensive than say if you had a cold or the flu or whatever, you know, broken leg, something of that nature, that is an obstacle. I mean, if if you you know had a, another type of injury, you would probably be able to get more affordable care. Is that essentially what you're trying to say? Yes, most yeah. of the time. Uh, I mean, you can get medication perhaps. But that is like uh, not a complete and the best recommended practice mm. for all mental illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it tends to be a combination of medication and therapy or even therapy alone that tends to have a more long-lasting and better outcome on people's lives. Yeah. So we're, in essence, not following our legal recommendations. That Icelandic law, there is some sayings, like there's uh, sections that say that we're we deserve the right, no matter uh, our finances, to the most effective healthcare. Mm, okay. And there's like a, in my opinion, personal opinion and, yeah, personal opinion. Let's keep it at that. <laughs> is uh, that that is a error, and that is uh, the law is not being followed mm. to the fullest extent there. Okay. So there could be a shift within how. This is structured in order to provide the best possible care. Absolutely. Or a full package of care. Absolutely. To individuals. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I, I think, you know, in general, most people would assume that getting a psychologist or something like that would be a part of it. So I think it kind of shines light into an area that maybe, you know, in the future with some advocacy or just kind of awakening maybe within the government, seeing how the awakening is happening in the people in society, that they will shift over to provide that because it is necessary and really helpful as you're talking about. There is a trend in this direction. It's already improving. Okay. But a very slow one. Yeah. And also there's a gap between, you know, government institutions and hiring on therapists that, you know, cannot provide for a large percentage of the population. Yeah, okay. It's just a few positions. And that needs to either change dramatically or the gap between private practice and government yeah. reimbursement would somehow be met. Yeah. However that would be done. Yeah. And kind of a slightly off topic, but are there many people who are interested in being psychologists in Iceland? Like, is this something that you find that are people are showing interest in in universities, for instance? Absolutely. Okay. It has been quite popular, at least, to take the um, bachelor's degree. Okay. Uh, to pursue more advanced degrees. So I think that has risen, too, because there are now more schools that Great. do uh, pr- provide that education. Um, I don't know how that would play out if there was plenty of therapists, but there wasn't this gap being bridged still between yeah. people and what they can afford and then, you know... Yeah, exactly. What is being provided by the healthcare industry? Um, reimbursed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you, you essentially answered my the question I had after that, <laughs> which is good. So to end off, though, I'm going to switch over to something that is doesn't have to be mental health care related... But it's uh, something I ask every interview because I'm curious. What is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Mm-hmm. That's tricky. 
Um, generally, people think favorite tends to be the one that comes quickest to their mind. Mm. And uh, one that the retas usually comes because <laughs> it's the one we may use the most. Right. But in context of what we're discussing, I can think of one sentence that I do like. And that is goes as that tekur folk atla aivina a laira leva. Okay, can you say it just a little slower, just for people who are listening who don't know Icelandic that well? Það tekur fólk alla ævina að læra að lifa. Okay, and what does that mean? Um, it takes people their whole lifespan to learn to live. Mmm, deep. I really like that. I think it's really interesting, and I agree. I mean, you're always evolving Absolutely. as an individual. So, nice one. Very different than maybe the typical. Um, but is that from an Icelandic poem or proverb I, even? I am not sure. Okay. I'm not uh, very good yeah. at those uh, origin. No worries. Just, just out of curiosity. Yeah. But I really do appreciate you chatting with me about this. I know it's a topic that obviously, you know, you as a psychologist, a practicing psychologist with a private practice, and also working, you know, in other uh, ways in the industry, we're probably thinking about it quite a lot. And it's great to be able to share this information so that people can just like, get a little bit more insight into Icelandic society. I will share your info, like your page and your private practice information so that individuals, if they want to reach out, they can do so. Absolutely. That would be just fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure.